When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to your post-game Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Browns, hold on. To beat the Baltimore Ravens. Doug Maurice, along with Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, Dan Lobby, and Scott Patsko. We're going to dive into this, and we're going to remember that they won. Because if they had found, I mean, honestly, for real, for real, Mary Kay, you've been doing this for a long time. If they had lost this game, it would have had to be, I mean, outside of the AFC Championship game losses that have nicknames, would have been one of the most would have been one of the most devastating regular season losses in Browns history, would it have not? It would have been. I mean, the sun would not have come up tomorrow. I am telling you that. I mean, this would have been absolutely devastating, and it almost happened. They came so close to losing this game, and the defense really did come up so big at the end and save them there. Uh, but yes, it would have been a crushing, crushing loss. Because uh, because it really would have meant, I mean, their their playoff chances would have dwindled to 6% about. Uh, and then, you know, if you couple that with what's probably going to be a loss in Green Bay, I would imagine, maybe, uh, you know, then, then it's over. And this season where uh, many people, including our Dan, picked them to go to the Super Bowl, and it's still alive now, Dan, um, <laughs> that, you know, it, it just, it would have been a crushing blow. I mean, they live to see another week, and I actually think they're getting strong and hot at the same time that they're getting so much luck around them. You have to be lucky at at times to go to the playoffs and to get through the playoffs. You have to be somewhat lucky. And right now, they are really, really lucky. I also want to make sure I'm going to tease people with the fact that we're going to ask Scott Patsko if they need a new kicker by next week. We'll do that at some point in this podcast. But Dan Lobby, you had suggested this before we started recording. Did we write off the Browns too soon? And I think that is an especially interesting question. That was an especially interesting question at halftime because off a bye, that looked like a team that reassessed, got healthy, got its head on straight and looked ready to do something. And they did hang on to win it and, and they didn't hang on to win. They did have to get lucky, but they also had their best players make big plays at the end. Right. Which is that's that's not luck. Did we write them off too soon, Dan? Is there a good team hiding within the Browns right now? I, I don't know if there's a good team hiding within the Browns. I think there is still a playoff team hiding within the Browns. And then so when I say that, what I mean is I don't know if there's a team that can go on the road and beat. Kansas city or beat new England. But I do think there's a team that can figure out a way over these next four games to go three and one. I don't think it's going to be easy, but I, I know personally, yeah, I probably did write them off too soon. Uh, it kind of lost confidence and there's still flaws and there's still things I don't have a lot of confidence in. And, a, you know, a big part of this was the fact that, you know, miles Garrett 
ends up picking up a ball and scoring, right? And it made a great play and the ball came his way and he scored. So that's that combination of a great play and luck. You know, Denzel Ward makes a great play at the end of the game, but we were this close. I'm, every person on this podcast, I guarantee, had a, a separate Google Doc open or the lead of their post-game column highlighted and was ready to paste in the obituary for the Browns as uh, the Ravens moved closer and closer to Justin Tucker field goal range. So personally, yes, I probably wrote them off too soon, but I don't know if they're a team – like Mary Kay said, I did pick them to go in the Super Bowl. If you made me make that pick today, I wouldn't make it. Um, but I think they at least have showed signs of life today, which they needed to do off the bye, and that's important. And I thought they showed signs of life, and I thought they showed signs of adjustment. I, I didn't mm-hmm. feel like they came out and did the exact same thing, which if they had, I would have been banging my head against my computer because the offense had been broken. And if you give Kevin Stefanski two weeks, it felt like he at least did something in our pregame pod. Actually, we had all made a lot of predictions about the receivers. I believe you said five catches for Donovan Peoples Jones. He had five catches for 90 yards on seven targets. So you were right. I said a hundred yards for Jarvis Landry. He had five catches for 41. So I was wrong, but Mary Kay threw in in that pregame pod. What about Jarvis's first touchdown of the year? And that was right. So they did. They did lean on the receivers a little bit more. I like the fact that they were they couldn't do 13 personnel as much. They opened up the offense a little bit. Part of it was that they made Blake Hance like a second tight end as an extra <laughs> offensive lineman, which is like, if that's where you are, I'm like, okay. But Ashley, what did you think of the way they got the receivers a little more involved and DPJ had the game you thought he would? Yeah, I mean, I liked it, but coming off of Dan's question there and then some of the things he was saying about, like, the, now my concern kind of going forward is, did we just get this because Kevin Stefanski could literally could not use the 13 personnel that he wants? And, like, when those guys are back, what does this look like? Like, that's my big question going forward. Um, but I it was really, I think, intrigued to see DPJ and Jarvis get involved as early as they did to see Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both get involved in the pass game early. I thought that made the Ravens defense play more honest. And that's what we were talking about. You know, these guys could not afford to come out here and just let the Ravens stack the box, stack the line of scrimmage like they did two weeks ago. And they did what they had to early to make sure that didn't happen for the entire game again, I thought. Baker Mayfield was 22 of 32 for 190 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. But Scott, he also had two big pass interference calls early in the game on shots to receivers. They had the other one on the little thing to Austin Hooper in the end zone. And then they had another pass interference, but DPJ made a ridiculous catch. So it was a catch, but I I liked, I thought they opened it up a little bit in the first half, but you, I want to ask you about, you are the originator of the Chubb of the hunt nickname. And we set the over-under, I set the over-under in the pregame pod as zero. Like, ah, they really get to do it. And they were, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were on the field together on the second play of the game. I think you tracked it. How many plays did they actually see together on the field before Hunt got hurt? It was five. It was only five. And I think it gained, like, on those plays, they gained 14, 11, 14 yards, something like that. Um so, yeah, it wasn't like the explosive, this fixes the offense, this is what we've all been waiting for kind of deal. And I think, but it, I, it was interesting that all that happened like on the first three drives before Hunt got hurt and just their use of two running backs in general, because it wasn't just Chubb and Hunt. It was 
Chubb and Felton and Chubb and Andy Janovich and Ernest Johnson was out there with, I think, Kareem Hunt at one point. I mean, that, that's, that was their solution to not having three tight ends. It was, let's put these running backs on the field because they're going to be able to move people around in similar ways that a tight end would if, if we're splitting a tight end out or, or putting a tight end in motion, that kind of thing. So from that standpoint, I think it made sense, but I wonder how much more we would have seen it had Hunt not gotten hurt because I look at these receiver numbers and I just wonder if like DPJ and, and Landry would have 15 targets between them if they had had Hunt for the entire game and were able to maybe use a little more two running back looks because they kind of got away from it in the second half with Hunt out of the game. But when they did use Chum and Hunt together, I, I still think there's possibilities there. I think it, it was fun to see it. And there's, I'm sure, positives that Stefanski is going to notice, but it just didn't, didn't have the, the oomph that I think uh, a lot of people hoped it was going to. I do want to get into more ideas about where we would like to see the offense go and where we think it might go the next couple of games, what we learned from this. But I want to ask a very specific question that I, I'm pretty sure we asked this months ago on this podcast in a late game situation with the game on the line, who would you rather have on the field, the Browns offense or the Browns defense? Dan, I don't remember what we said then, but I feel like I know what we would say now, right? Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of us said the defense. And, and that was I, the right that, answer. That obviously okay. has not changed. Uh, between now and, and when we answer that question. And, you know, again, I, I think that's an important an important thing to note. You know, Miles Garrett makes the big play that gets them to 24 points, and they needed every single one of those points. And then, you know, Denzel, Denzel Ward was flying around today. He had a couple of big hits, but then on that last play, I mean, they were at their 45-yard line. They maybe needed 10 yards to entertain a Justin Tucker field goal attempt. That was a fourth and six. And Denzel played it perfectly. And Rashad Bateman had killed them a couple times in the second half. And he made a great play. That's your number four overall pick, making a great play. And he's been absolutely on fire. And, and Mary Kay, you wrote it was either your Hey MK or your insider that Denzel Ward is basically playing his way into a big extension. And it's plays like that that's going to get it for him. Um, so, yeah, it's just sort of, I don't think anyone who said defense, and I don't remember who said offense, Anybody who said defense is not changing their answer today. Would everybody else say defense right now? Would anyone say offense or everyone's nodding? So we're all on defense that that's who you want on the end of the field. So actually like that level of confidence, how, how do we rate that? Is this a playoff defense? Is this a get a stop to win a playoff game, get a stop with the season on the line kind of de- defense right now? I really think I am just about that confident in them. And I think those guys are all that confident in themselves. Like we heard from Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney post game. And those guys were like excited when the Ravens recovered that onside kick, because they're like, Oh yeah, we get to go out and make the last play. And that's what we're supposed to do. Like they have that level of confidence in themselves right now, which I think is so important. And again, coming off of that Patriots game, like the attitudes were the exact opposite. There was this kind of despondent air about them that they had just given up that many points that the Patriots kind of played them perfectly for all these issues they've been having. And there hasn't been another blip like that since. So the further we get from that Patriots game, I am more inclined to think that was a blip. They've moved past it. They've maybe made some of those adjustments that guys like Miles Garrett were talking about that they needed to make. 
Um, and, and just the way they responded to from Miles on Friday saying he thought the attention to detail had to be better. And he said, yeah, over the last 48 hours, it was that guys came in and did what they had to do. And the intensity was there. So I, I just think they're in a really good place right now. And really, it's about for me, the offense responding and consistently being able to get more points up on the board. Mary Kay, I thought when you looked at some of the guys who made those play saves, Jadavion Clowney makes a big play down the stretch. I thought Tack McKinley made a bunch of plays today. Troy Hill made plays today. We know JOK is going to make plays every day now, but you know, Anthony Walker wasn't out there. Greg Newsom wasn't out there, but they still had a bunch of guys out there. You really, I thought you could feel not for the first time because it has happened a couple of times, but Mary Kay, you could feel, I thought, the individual talent on this defense, but also it coming together that, hey, it's Clowney's turn, then it's Denzel's turn, and then it's JOK's turn, and it all played off each other. And it, it did feel like something that can continue over the last month in my mind. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I really do believe that uh, this defense is hitting its stride at the right time. They've woken up. Uh, it's all come together. I think Joe Woods has sort of figured out uh, how to use them, when to use them. I think, uh, you know, he has, uh, you know, he has listened to some input, I'm guessing, on, you know, blitzing more and having a great game plan uh, for this football team. And I do think that, uh, I mean, you've got your big name guys coming up big when you need them to. And I think that will sustain itself even if you were playing against a really complete offense. I want everybody to remember this because I'm always the, um, the naysayer in these situations. These are some guys that weren't out there today. And that's, and I'm saying this because you do have to keep everyone's foot on the gas pedal to get where they want to go this year. No JK Dobbins, no Gus Edwards, no Ronnie Stanley, no Lamar Jackson in this game. So this is not the, and I mean, and on the other side of the ball, no Marlon, no uh, Marcus, no Calais Campbell. Uh, and the Browns had, were missing a lot of people too. I know, but this was not the, Ravens team that the Browns are going to see next year. This was kind of, uh, you know, this, this just was not the all-star team uh, that, that they might end up being again next year. So the Browns are going to have to continue uh, to push it forward and to go back to the drawing board and to get better because if they do make the playoffs, they are going to run back into the chiefs again or they are going to run into the Patriots again and they have to be on point and they got to pick it up a notch, but the defense is ready. The defense is ready for prime time. So Scott, how, how should we analyze? Listen, they got, they're done with the Ravens in the regular season. And they got out of here one and one, right? Which I think when you saw the way the schedule set up in this split, that's all the Browns should have been asking for. And you know, they weren't that far away from going tuna, but they went one and one, but Mar Jackson, Barely played four of four for 17 yards passing for Lamar Jackson. Tyler Huntley comes in 27 of 38, 270 passing yards, one touchdown, also six carries for 45. That would have added to this, Scott. We were talking about like, man, if they had lost, like the backup quarterback did this, but Tyler Huntley is a little bit of a playmaker there. Like, let's give some credit to that guy. He's also their backup quarterback. How should we take that into account as we analyze how the Browns defense played today? Because they weren't doing it against Lamar. No, 
I guess you take it as you don't have to see that quarterback uh, or that skill set necessarily uh, again, uh, at least with the guys they have left, if I'm not leaving anybody out. Uh, I mean, he, he provided Huntley provided a lot of the frustrations at Lamar Jackson. I think at one point Clowney said after the game, we need to get Lamar. He was joking on the sideline. We need to get Lamar back out there because <laughs> this other dude is, is just running all over the place. Um, you know, Miles said, you, you lick your chops when the backup comes in, but uh, the guy was making plays. So, Look, Lamar Jackson has not played well of late, so there's that. I don't know. I mean, who's to say how this game would have gone if he had played the whole game? But they've had trouble with with receivers or with with quarterbacks who can move. That's true. But at the end of the day, they made enough plays to win this. Um, We probably won't find out. Maybe we'll find out tomorrow, but maybe not until we talk to Joe Woods, really get a good idea of if – or how at all the defense might've changed in that fourth quarter. Cause again, you start playing the clock, you have a lead and you might be playing things a little differently that, you know, the offensive side of the ball is the only side of the ball. that's going to change if you have a lead. So there's that, but I don't read too much into what happened here saying that this is going to be some sort of, you know, omen of things to come. Dan said before, he doesn't think the chiefs or he doesn't think this team is can go on the road and be the chiefs. I I'm fine with this defense going on the road and playing the chiefs. I mean, that's something that I would like to see. And I think uh, you certainly have more confidence in in the defense playing well in that situation than you might have in week one. All right, quick break. We'll come back and talk about the kicker and some other stuff next on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. All right, we're back. Make sure you guys are reading Cleveland.com slash Browns. So much good stuff goes up there. Bang, right after the game. And then through the rest of the night on Sunday, and then again Monday morning, and then on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then the, the game is next Saturday. Okay, I'm I'm not going to ask if we sh- if the Browns should fire Chase McLaughlin this week. I'm not going to make anybody answer that. Would you give serious consideration to a kicker change this week? At least like investigate the possibilities. Would you have a talk about it, Ashley? Yes or no? Would you think about it? Talk about it. I mean, maybe like, I mean, I've been worried about him for a few weeks now, like in terms of, does he have the yips or is he kind of regressing to the mean that is McLaughlin in his career? Like, I don't know, I guess maybe why not consider it? I guess having, when you were in the position that you had to do it for punter, it didn't turn out so terribly this week, I guess. So I don't know, maybe it's worth a, worth a conversation, I guess is where I'm at. I'd say a medium, maybe from Ashley, Dan, would you do it? Would you think about it? Talk about it? Well, first I'd have my discussion about the punter and decide if the guy I brought in this week is the guy that I want being my punter moving forward. No, 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 no. But the other guy's from Scotland and he heard sheep shirtless and stuff. Like everybody loves that guy. <laughs> well, he might be hurting sheep shirtless <laughs> next Saturday. Anyway, I, I think you look at your short list, right? They always have a short list of guys ready. You bring guys in to try out. Um, you know, you have a guy on the practice squad too that, that they seem to really like if he's ready to kick in NFL games, I don't know. Um, you have to at least look at it. I don't know that you're making a move between now and Saturday, uh, but it, it's concerning. And, and I think Ashley kind of hit it on the head there. Like it's, this is sort of Chase McLaughlin kind of becoming Chase McLaughlin again, the guy that had been with a bunch of teams before he ended up in Cleveland. Mary Kay, what would you do? Think about it, talk about it. Um, think about it. Keep the short list going, probably give him another chance. Um, I, I don't know if you want to try to shake up your whole, uh, kicking situation. 
you know, in, in the short term right now, because I mean, you know, there is a chance that, um, that they will stick with Cole quick for a while. Jamie Gillen was, you know, not consistent. He was inconsistent. So, you know, if he doesn't make it back this week and when you test positive late in the week, uh, you might not always make it back by the next game. So, um, so they might get another look at Cole quit. So I, I don't think that they would necessarily want to change all of that up by Saturday. All right, Scott, this is your fault. What would you do? Uh, yeah, I'm bringing in people and I'm looking at some other options. I mean, what are we waiting for? Are you waiting for him to miss a kick and lose a game? Cause at that point it's, it doesn't matter anymore if he's your kicker or not. Cause you're, you're out of it. And he's five of 10 on his last 10 kicks. And the only reason this game was so close because he missed one today. That's what, Gave everybody the Justin Tucker jitters there at the end because it was a two point game because there was a missed field goal. So I think, I think you seriously have to do it. You're trying to make a run to the playoffs. You have no margin for error. Five of their last seven games when he's gone through this bad stretch here, five of those seven games have been one score games. So you're playing a lot of close games and you have a kicker that's hitting 50%. You think you really need to take action. And within that five of 10, he's three of eight on 40 yards or more in, in the last seven games. Three of eight on anything that's even like a little bit hard. That's not, and that's not boom. There's only one of those is over 50. So the problem is in the middle of the year, when you're looking to replace Chase, Chase McLaughlin, you're just looking at other Chase McLaughlins, but maybe you'll catch one on a hot streak instead of one who is reverting to what he's always been. They really need, I would put near the top of their list this offseason, sign a veteran kicker. And I know they tried to draft kickers and they've kind of had some weird luck and it hasn't worked out like a Matt Prater kind of thing where it's like, you just find some 40 year old guy who you can rely on all the time. That's what they need because they can't keep going through this. Cause you know, the guys they have as kickers, they're always going to start to stink after like 12 weeks because that's what their, what their history has been. They, they, that's like, they've got to get away from this because it is going to cost them a playoff spot. And I am exactly with Scott. You can't wait. Like, what do you like? Are you waiting for him to ruin your season? <laughs> he, you, you don't owe this guy anything. So tough noogies. Who's the guy, Dan? I, I'm, I'm the kind of person who does not know the name of the practice squad kicker. Who's the practice squad kicker? Um, Nagger. What is his name? What Nagger. is it, Mary Kay? Nagger. Nagger. Chris Nagger. Who also punted in college, by the way. <laughs> Chris Nagger? Chris Nagger? Is that what you said his name was? Chris Nagger? Yes. Apparently he's got a big leg. Okay. Then I'm all for that. But yes, I would like to see some guys lining up in Berea this week, trying some kicks because Chase has lost it and I don't want to wait for him to get it back. The other um, thing about Chase real quick is that he really hasn't even kicked in the real bad weather yet. He hasn't had, uh, you know, just a real slick, wet football yet. Hasn't really kicked in, you know, the rain or the snow or super, super high winds. It got pretty, you know, it was pretty nice today for the most part, a little windy, but you know, the, the next four games and playoff games could be a little dicey that way. Yeah, and I, I think his miss today came um, in the, going the direction that where the wind was favorable because Kevin Stefanski played the wind in the second half and he had the Ravens going into the dog pound. Um, so I, I think they felt like the wind was favorable going the other way, and that's where his miss came. All right. Goodbye, Chase. That's enough. Uh, people came around by the end. If we had a meeting right now and said vote in or out five man panel for a new kicker, we'd punt that guy. Okay. Mary Kay, you brought this up at the very beginning. 
This team scored 24 points in the first half, no points in the second half. Baker Mayfield said after the game, he thinks they were too conservative. It was a very weird second half offensively because they only only had four drives in the second half. The first drive was like a nine play drive, but only went like 16 yards. And it was kind of dorked up because Baker had to come out at the end because he got the concussion call and had to leave the field. So on third down, and by the way, on third down with Case Keenum in the game, they got a first down, except everybody's favorite guard, the multi-gazillion dollar Wyatt Teller, just does this once a game. He just tackles somebody. And then it's like, oh, we love Wyatt Teller. It's like, do you love the 10-yard holding penalty every game that screws up a drive? So I know he's here for the long term. He's still not a great pass blocker, and he gets a holding call once a game. So he killed that drive. And then it was like third and 13 and they gave a, did a surrender handoff again. Cause Baker was out of the game. Okay. Then the next drive, they actually put a decent drive together. They little kind of stall a little bit and they wind up with the field goal. Try doink. And then Mary Kay, they go three and out three and out. Hi. Yeah. 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 With the game at hand, this is Nick Chubb. Put it away time. They threw a couple times the one time. And the other time they ran it like, I don't have an answer right this second of what they should have done differently other than the standard, Mary Kay, has to be higher than that. What did you take away from, A, how Kevin Stefanski called it and the team executed the offense in the second half, and B, Baker Mayfield's comments about it after the game? Well, as I mentioned um, in our video, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, of course, we want players to talk to us and tell us everything. But if, if I were uh, the general manager, the coach, or an owner of a football team, I would not want my players questioning the game plan, game plan publicly after the game. And Miles did it after the 45-7 loss to the Patriots when he said, uh, you know, we did not make sideline adjustments. So for Baker to come out and say we got conservative, um, I think – that coupled with some of the things that he told Kurt Warner before the game can sort of be all lumped together as, Hey, what's going on here? Type of red flaggy stuff. Okay. And I I just think you have to be a little bit careful about that. They are in a really thick, tight hair raising playoff hunt right now. And they need to stick together. They all need to present a united front and we are all in this together and we're pulling in the same direction. That so, you know, and if to recap what he said to Kurt Warner, there are a lot of internal things, uh, not there's not just outside noise. The question was about the criticism has, he has taken. And he's saying it's not just outside outside noise. There are a lot of internal things that have made it tricky this season. OK, so, you know, that's uh, that's a bit of a bombshell right there. That's a bit of a bombshell to say I'm taking heat from inside somehow. Uh, so there's stuff going on and maybe it'll all get covered up by the spaghetti sauce of making the playoffs. They might make the playoffs. I feel like they can make the playoffs. I just, I've been feeling like that for a little while. Once they got through the bye, I, I, I had a strong feeling that they were going to try to, that they were going to pull this off because of everything else that's going on in the AFC and in the, in the league. It just seems to me, I mean, even Trey Hendrickson, left the game today for the Bengals, right? I mean, just everything is coming up Browns right now. But those comments after the game, to me, uh, can cause some problems. And after a victory, it's just probably not going to be something, I would think organizationally, they would want him to be saying, we got conservative. Now, he's right about that. 
But I think there's a way of saying well, that and a way of not saying that. Isn't truth a defense? He is right. He is right. Yeah. So here's two, my, my two my two points on that would be a dear quarterback. I'm sorry you feel if your feelings got hurt. Move on. Like the, the, the I'm like Baker has not played that well, and all the, his talking all the time about how all this is so difficult on him. I mean, I don't know what to say. It's the NFL, man. You're getting paid millions of dollars. I know you're playing hurt, but like if your feelings are hurt, that, that's fine. But just do your job and do your job better. And he did his job better in the first half. Second thing is the two franchise cornerstones have both publicly questioned the coaching this year. Mm -hmm. And they, neither of them are malcontent divas. So I'm going to view that as more of a problem with the coaching than the players. So I don't, I'm not saying it's the end of the world, but Dan, I, I am, I find it a little strange that, what Miles Garrett said about the adjustments with Joe Woods, Miles Garrett feeling it fell on him this week to call out the team's lack of focus. Why is that falling on Miles Garrett and not the coaches? And then what Baker said after the game, I feel like this team is not being coached to the level that it should be coached, perhaps, because I don't think Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield are looking for stuff to complain about, are they? And it's not like the team's falling apart. They're seven and six, but these guys are still saying this stuff. Yeah. So that. To me, there's a few different things going on here. Um, you know, the Miles thing is just kind of like, I honestly believe Miles Garrett is just kind of like going to say whatever he wants to say because he's the guy that gets the loudest cheers before games. He got paid. He's set. He's going to say what he wants. If he wants to say something, he's going to say it. So if he feels like he wants to stand at a podium and say something, he's going to say it. Um, with the Baker thing, I, I think the really interesting idea here is the offense the Browns are running versus maybe what Baker Mayfield wants them to run and a disconnect being there. And Mary Kay, you've written about this a lot. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's interesting because the Browns kind of hired Kevin Stefanski in part because of this system and believing this system fit Baker Mayfield better. Whereas I think Baker Mayfield still kind of wants to be that gunslinger, except I don't know if that's best for Baker Mayfield. I mean, he almost got picked off twice today. He did get picked off once, and then he should have been picked off another time. I think gunslinger Baker Mayfield is not what's best for this offense. So I think there's just kind of a disconnect there. And then one other thing, too, when it comes to getting conservative, is this is not, you know, to put this on the coaching a little bit, this is not the first time the Browns have blown a big second-half lead under Kevin Stefanski. I mean, they've done it, it happened against Tennessee. It almost happened in the playoff game against Pittsburgh. It happened today. I feel like there was another game I'm forgetting, but, oh, Kansas City. They actually lost the Kansas City game. Um, there have They have given up, whether they've actually blown the lead or just let a team kind of get within striking distance. It's happened multiple times under Kevin Stefanski. I do think he gets conservative in the second half and tries to play the clock game. That was a lot there. I, I was kind of all over the place. But. <laughs> so I, I – I, uh, I, it would be easier if you just rip Kevin Stefanski, but I get that that's not a, that's that's not what we're here to do. I I will say I do feel like he gives Kevin Stefanski gives Baker Mayfield a little bit of leash, but this is what their the Browns drives were after Baker's interception when they're ahead seventeen nothing. He throws the pick. Then the next drives are punt, punt, miss field goal, punt, punt, and I don't think that's coincidental because I think. Kevin doesn't like mistakes. No coaches do. 
I think he's probably on the more on the side of I really, really don't like mistakes. And I think once Baker makes a mistake, he dials it back to his own detriment at times. Scott, especially though, especially though the last two, three and outs in the second half with the game on the line, did you think that they were too conservative? And sometimes I will say you can have stuff that doesn't work and people say, oh, that was too conservative. And it actually might not have been too conservative. It maybe just didn't work. And you went three and out. Scott, what did you think of the last two drives? I don't think it was too conservative. They had, like you, you, you'd mentioned it earlier, they had the second half, 10 play drive, 11 play drive, and then you got the two three and outs. But the first one, they, they, two, it was three passes and before they punted. So I don't know. Are you pat? Can you be conservative? Conservative if you're passing on first and second down? Oh yeah, you definitely I, can. You, I mean, you, you, especially the Kevin Stefanski offense and the efficiency shoebox. You can definitely be conservative sure. throwing the ball. Hey, they threw to Andy Janovich on that drive. I mean, if you want a spark and you get, if you don't get it there, but seriously, uh, on this next drive though, there's six fifty one left, and they did, and they run Chubb into the line a couple times. Um, maybe Chubb's not the guy on the field at that point if Hunt's healthy. But you can look at that one and say, okay, right, they got conservative because they just they they ran it. But at the same time, you got to keep that clock moving. It's I don't know. It's tough being a coach. I think is what I'm trying to say. Well, I will tell you, it's tough being a coach. And Kevin Stefanski, a lot of times right now, makes it look tough. Great coaches mm-hmm. make it look easy. It's like, well, they marched down. They're a little bit in a meat grinder still, but they did grind. The first half was a pretty good version of grinding it out. Like it, that was really Brown's football. That first half was Brown's football at its best. And actually to me, the question is what is the belief of them playing that version of Brown's football for a whole game? Because I actually think that if they play like that, if they play like they did in the first half today for most of the game, the last four weeks, they'll make the playoffs. That could be green Bay. I think that could beat Green Bay. Like you, you march the ball a little bit. You run it. You have a good little play action back and forth. That defense will give Aaron Rodgers some trouble. And then Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Vegas, I think you really can beat those teams. So actually, do you believe that they can play the way they played for the first 26 minutes, like for 60? I mean, if they do, it kind of probably looks like the Bengals game, right? Like I mean, that's what it kind of reminded me of. And Baker's numbers, even I think Baker overall today kind of reminded me of the Bengals game, which I think we had a whole conversation after that one about did did Baker play just OK? Like was this this wasn't like a great Baker performance. Like it didn't necessarily feel like that. It didn't feel like he went out and won them the game. And obviously the defense won them the game in this one. Um, so I don't know, like going back to the previous conversation a little bit, that's kind of where I agree with, with Mary Kay. Like, I don't know, we got into the whole conversation after miles made his comments in new England and talked about how miles kind of earns that right. Because of everything he gives you, he's clearly, you know, one of the best players in the league period. Um, and that's when the kind of your earlier point, Doug, like when Baker is not necessarily a whiner, but it can kind of come off like that when you're questioning things in post game uh, publicly. So I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely am a little more or a lot more shaky in my belief of this offense right now. And Kevin Stefanski is not blameless in there. I mean, I do think we see him have a tendency to play not to lose instead of playing to win with some of these calls. And uh, that could very easily have come back to bite them, even though it didn't. So 
Um, I would say overall, I'm still kind of shaky on whether or not that's a possibility, but if they can figure out a way to make it happen, then sure, this could easily become a playoff team. I will say one of the, I thought this felt different than the Bengals game early because the Bengals game was clearly starting with the Denzel 99 yard pick six turnovers, fueling everything. And the Browns scored points to start this game That's without fair. without turnovers. I That's thought fair. it was the offense sort of functioning on its own. But then they did get to the point where when the offense started to sag, you have the Miles strip sack and touchdown. Mary Kay, by the way, called the strip sack. Strip sack and touchdown. And then to start the second half, the Ravens are marching and they force a fumble. So those are two huge turnovers. It, they, it didn't start the Browns, but it sort of saved them when they were sagging a little bit. But Dan, I remain enamored. I, I want to hold on to those first few Browns drives. Like all, the offense before the Baker pick, I thought to me, I was like, not that they're back, but oh, they're digging out from if they were buried and it's like the, they're buried in the grave and the hand sticks itself up through the dirt, you know? Like it's, they would do like a little graphic. Is it Sunday night football or Monday night football where they do the horrible, horrible anime of the weirdest stuff that you've ever seen in your life? It looks like Shrek animation. It would be like Baker Mayfield. It would be like a, a tombstone that says like 11.3 points per game, last eight games or whatever, Browns offense. And then you would see Baker Mayfield's hand jut out from the dirt. That's what I felt early on. Did you feel that, Dan? I thought like, there's something that they're finding here a little bit. Well, Doug, I'm, I'm going to hurt you a little bit here. I'm just, I'm preparing you. Because, listen, Mary Kay can't be the only one who says it. This was a Baltimore Ravens team that a week ago went for two to win a game because John Harbaugh said they didn't have any corners. True. So, yes, I think it was great that the Browns exploited that and they get credit for exploiting that. And they did what they needed to do. They scored 17 points on offense in the first half, and then they got seven out of the defense. Good for them. That's what you're supposed to do. And, you know, Mary Kay, like you said, this this won't be the Ravens team the Browns face next year. But, you know, the Browns right now are focused on getting to the playoffs this year and seeing what they can do. So they took advantage of it. Right. That said, I just – I don't want to make sweeping – conclusions about where this offense is in the first half when they were drawing pass interference flags on guys that weren't Marlon Humphrey, weren't Marcus Peters, whoever else that that they're missing in that secondary. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was good. I think it's a start. And look, they've got some bad pass defenses coming in. You know, I just looked up some of the DVOA stats for teams they have outside of Green Bay. They don't play a team coming into this week that was in the top half of the league in pass defense DVOA. So they can still do this. But I do think it's important to note who they were doing it against in that first half. Seven plays, 60 yards on the first field goal drive. Eight plays, 66 yards on the first touchdown drive. Ten plays, 77 yards on the second touchdown drive. Mary Kay, were you more on the side of watching that and thinking, oh, okay, they might be figuring some stuff out? Or were you? did you have that in the front of mind the whole time that this is a shell of the Ravens defense that they normally would have out there? I mean, I... I, I hate to say that, but yes, I did feel like um, that it was a, a shell of the Ravens defense that they really are, um, you know, just holding it together with smoke and mirrors in the back end. And Marlon Humphrey, uh, you know, 
this is a completely different defense if you've got Marlon Humphrey and Calais Campbell on the field. I'm sorry. That's like taking that's that's almost like taking Miles Garrett, maybe not quite that, but it's almost like taking Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward off the field for the Browns. If you did that, the Browns aren't winning that football game. So, you know, does it matter that much right now? No, because they won the game and that's vitally important. That's vitally important. They won the game and they did what they had to do. But like Dan said, I think that um, that you don't want to get too over the moon about the offensive performance because there were some issues. I mean, obviously, uh, the, the first field goal came courtesy of two pass interference calls. Uh, they were getting booed on the first drive. The, the, the offense really scored 17 points. Obviously, was, there was a missed field goal as well. Um, but I think it just needs to be taken with a grain of salt and they need to continue to try to get better in all areas, including probably the play call. Okay. When we come back, I want to, I want to dive into that. I want to have a a Kevin Stefanski discussion a little bit to finish this out. We'll do that next on the orange and talk podcast. All right. I'm going to make everybody say whether they like Kevin Stefanski or not. That's not actually what we're going to do, but I want to, I do want to ask this first. There was a time not so long ago where the Browns with a lead in the fourth quarter would have inspired confidence in everybody in Northeast Ohio. Scott, what has happened to the Browns run game that puts games away? And it, I like it, it wasn't there today and it, I don't know how much it's been there this season, but is there, it's this, I, I mean, it can't just be Jack Conklin. Can it like what, what, what's happening? First off, when was this time you speak of where people had confidence in the fourth quarter of the Browns? Like last year, didn't they have last year? It was like everybody's thing was like, hey, just let Nick Chubb put a game away in the final eight minutes. That was like the thing. Yeah, yeah, he did great. He averaged 10 yards per carry. And a lot of that was the rotation they they used and keeping him fresh while Kareem Hunt went out there and took carries. Um, They are just getting back to that now. I mean, they just got Kareem Hunt back. His calf tightened up on him last what the last game. And then today, of course he gets hurt again. So that's played into it. Um, I mean, I know we just to go back to the previous segment real quick. I know that the Ravens weren't their best version of themselves, but I mean, this offense was just a patchwork. I know you had Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb to start the game, but they were basically trying to do something at a high rate that they had not done at all this year. And that's what you got. Like, they, they got 17 points out of it. You got a missed field goal. And, but I mean, they struggled to run the last time against the Ravens. I wasn't, wasn't expecting that to be totally fixed, especially again, without your best blocking tight end in Njoku and uh, without your, you know, the third guy in Bryant. So this was just patchwork. And the fact that it was, it was like three, 3.4 average three, about three and a half yards per carry today. I mean, I'm not going to read too much into that. I think another week when they're able to get back to 13 personnel and, and having those tight ends be a big part of things, both blocking and receiving. I think that that's when you can judge this run game a little better. No, I don't want to go back to 13 personnel. I, I like them opening up a little bit. I don't want to go back there anymore. It's boring and it's stupid. I hate it. Why do the Browns have to be different than everybody else? Where's Jamar chase? Where's the Browns Jamar chase? Why don't they have one like that? Gosh, he's so good. Joe Burrow like ran in a circle for like 10 seconds in this Niners Bengals game and threw a fourth and five touchdown to the back of the end zone to Jamar Chase. All right, they'll get one of those guys next year. So here's a question then. 
we, we already discussed the fact that their best players have brought up things publicly about coaching this year. I thought Kevin Stefanski deserved credit for tinkering with some things with the offense, even if he was forced to do it. They did some things that they didn't do previously, and it got them 17 quick points, and it gave them the padding they needed to win this game. But actually, you sort of mentioned it earlier. I can't remember exactly how you said it, but it's like, you know, Kevin Stefanski is not blameless. It's like, I actually think like a lot of this is on Kevin Stefanski. That if he got a lot of credit for last year, yes, they've had injuries, but as we just ran down with the Ravens, everybody has injuries. And they've not functioned that efficiently on offense and their best players have publicly questioned the coaching. So, Dan... Like where, where Dan just was like, I got to go first on this. His eyebrows <laughs> shot up the top of his forehead. This is not a fight. We have to be able to critique people without saying they should leave town. Nobody's having that discussion, but I think Kevin Stefanski still needs to be better. I, I think this team needs to be coached better. And by the way, the onside kick hits the fullback in the side of the helmet when he's not even looking for the ball. I understand he was going to block. That's non-functional dude. That looked like a middle school game. It hit the guy in the side of the helmet. When's the last time you saw an onside kick hit a guy who wasn't looking for the ball on the side of the helmet? That's terrible coaching. That was awful. That was awful. They said on the TV broadcast the Ravens hadn't successfully completed an onside kick in like two decades. That's horrendous. That's horrendous coaching across the board. The guy wasn't even looking. Ooh, doink. You could hear the doink off the side of his head. But not just that, Dan, but just other things like I still feel like they're not all that well coached. And if Kevin Stefanski maximized this team last year in some ways, uh, he is not close to me to maximizing this team this year. Yeah, well, and they had more substitution issues today uh, when, when Baltimore was going fast on that one touch. I think it was the touchdown drive when they got within nine points. Uh, they, they had 12 men on the field again. Um, and, and they could not get guys in and out off the, off the sideline. So that stuff was happening again. Kevin has sort of escaped a lot of criticism this year, I think because of last year, because he was the coach that led this team to the playoffs. And also because of, you know, a little bit what I talked about, I think it was the bi-week roundtable we did. As a, as a coach, I still really believe Kevin Stefanski is the guy. I think the play calling is the area where we really have to maybe start questioning things this year. And to me, it just comes back to how much does he trust this quarterback? I I think that's your answer to every question. How much does he trust this quarterback? And they opened it up a little bit in the first half. It worked okay. And then they kind of shut it back down in the second half. And you're in a situation there where it felt like the worst thing you could do was turn the football over and give the Ravens defense a chance to score now. Huntley ended up playing a great second half and and led some drives where, where the Ravens got back into the game. But it sure felt like they wanted to put the, um, I don't know, put the, the kid gloves back on Baker Mayfield in that second half a little bit. You know, so, so I just think that's the root of the question. How, how much does he trust the quarterback? And I still don't know the answer to that. Ashley, do you feel like Kevin Stefanski is escaping criticism this year? Or is that not where this lands? Again, they're, they're right in the thick of a playoff race and almost everybody in the AFC has problems. So is he doing a good job or is there room to question this? I mean, I don't think he's escaped criticism. I think he's also some of what he says in post-game press conferences when things go poorly and they lose is, you know, he'll take the blame for certain things. And yes, that's coach speak, but also 
okay, then fine. Like you, you get a share of the blame if you're going to also welcome it. Um, and I think we've criticized him here plenty uh, and been honest about that doesn't mean anyone saying he calling for its head and saying he should be fired on Monday or, or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think we've, we've criticized him tonight as well with some of these some of these calls that you you do have to question. And Dan has brought this up and brought it up again just now about how much does he trust Baker Mayfield to run what he wants to run. And I don't know. And I'm going to use an analogy because it's the season finale of succession tonight. But like you look at that show and Logan Roy doesn't don't, trust any of his kids. Don't spoil That's, it. Don't spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. But I heard the it's good. The show, I have to he watch. does not trust his kids to run this company. <laughs> so he feels like he has to do everything himself. So does Kevin Stefanski feel like he has to rely on this 13 personnel and what he likes to do? Cause he doesn't trust any of his kids. I don't know, but that's my that's my pop culture analogy for tonight. That's very timely. I gotta get caught up on the wire. I gotta watch that, and then I'm gonna watch this. Don't succession. get Dan started on the wire because I gotta. You I'm, and, I'm behind. Well, you and you and Ashley can watch the I wire. Know, yeah, I haven't watched it. Yeah, but I, I feel behind because everyone's talking about Succession. I don't really know what it's about. You know, speaking of the wire, Tyler Huntley. They call him Snoop. Mm. Oh, nice. Now I don't know if that has anything to do with the wire. But I just saw that today when hearing some Ravens players talk. I my, here's my analysis of succession in one sentence. It's shameless for really, really, a really, really rich, rich people. <laughs> yeah. It's a rich people. It's shame. the exact opposite socioeconomic background. <laughs> now I, I got to watch shameless too. I haven't watched shameless. Now I got to add another thing. Not, uh, when the girls, not when your kids are around. Scott, are you you mentioned this was sort of a patchwork operation with the offense today? Again, we had put my I had put the over under on Blake Hans snaps at zero, and then Blake Hans was out there. Blake Hans lined up as a fullback oh, at one point and motioned <laughs> up to the line. I was like, oh my god, this really any coach who has to play Blake Hans as a fullback is is working miracles to win a game. Is this mostly Kevin Stefanski did what he had to do and they won and like he should get credit for that? Or, or is there anything here that's like he's got to be better? No, I think he did what he had to do and he won. He should get credit for that. And I don't think he's not getting enough criticism. I mean, if you look at the, the texts we get from our Football Insider subscribers, you'll see that Stefanski gets plenty of criticism. And uh, I don't think that's the issue at all. I, I mean, injuries matter. And I know we point to the Ravens a lot and say, well, look at them. Well, they're only a game better, you know, and they're having a lot of the same issues this season that the Browns are. You, like over the past two weeks, I've been reading a lot about the Ravens because the Browns have played the Ravens. And there are so many stories where you can just take out Ravens and put in the word Browns. And it's the same thing, the same issues, same offensive struggles. And just the whole vibe around everything just not being as good as you thought it was going to be. And the difference, of course, is that the Ravens have a quarterback who can solve those problems and the Browns don't. So that's kind of how they kind of diverged for a while there on their path. And now they're really close. So I think Kevin Stefanski did a fine job today. They got the win. He did what he had to do to make it through this weird week. And then you just turn around and try to make it through. what's probably going to be another weird week. So Mary Kay, we'll finish up with you and we can double dip on this. I do find it interesting that class of 2018 quarterback class that we're always going to think together. Clearly, Josh Rosen was a no immediately. Sam Darnold proved once and for all in Carolina this year that he's a no for sure. 
And Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield are all kind of having weird years. Now, the peaks, the peaks of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson were far above anything Baker Mayfield has done so far. But all three of those teams are teams that they thought they had shots to win the AFC this year. And in different ways, the quarterback play has all kind of been a little, a little goofy at times. So it is interesting. I do think it is valuable as we critique a Browns team in the midst of a playoff race to keep the context of there's a lot of teams dealing with that. Mary Kay, I want you on this Kevin Stefanski question. And then I want to wrap up with something else, but like, what's your general view of how we should be thinking about the job Kevin has done in year two? Well, you know, my big takeaway on the whole Kevin Stefanski thing right now is that there is some disconnect between Baker and Kevin. And I think, uh, I think that that has to be addressed. Uh, You know, I, I think Kevin has called games the way he has felt like he has needed to, uh, in some, for some, uh, you know, injury reasons and effectiveness reasons regarding Baker Mayfield. I think he's doing what he has to do. But the big issue in my mind right now is that there's a dif- disconnect between the quarterback and the coach. And maybe I'm making too much out of it. Maybe I am, but maybe I'm not. And, um, and I, I just think that I don't know how this whole rest of the season is going to play out. But these issues need to be addressed. They're bubbling under the surface and they're coming up at a time when, you know, there, it is it's crunch time, as Baker says, it's crunch time. So um, they've got to get this. They have to figure out what the problem is and get it fixed if they plan to move forward uh, in a long term relationship. Joe Burrow game time touchdown pass in the final 80 seconds. to Jamar I just Chase. saw that. I just yeah. saw that. <laughs> maybe you just need to get Baker Mayfield and Jamar Chase, man. Yeah, was a... So or maybe, Mary or maybe you need to get the Browns, Joe. Never mind. <laughs> that's, that's a... and, and I also wanted to say real very briefly about that. Lamar Jackson, I mean, think, think of Baker Mayfield if he didn't have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt all season. Lamar Jackson has been within, without his all-pro left tackle, without J.K. Dobbins, without Gus Edwards all season. Oh. He also has mobility that Baker's never had to. Yeah. I mean, there's that. He also yeah, threw. I'm just saying that it's a different offense if you have those three players. So you really have to, uh, when you're grading Lamar's season, when if you're the Ravens and you're talking extension or whatever, you really have to look at the fact that they haven't had three of their key players the whole entire season. No, and he also threw four picks last time these teams played. And if Baker would throw four picks against the Ravens, we'd all lose our minds. Mary Kay, so when you say, well, we can get to, you guys can get to this on Hey Mary Kay. When you say it needs to be fixed with Stefanski and Baker, I wonder if you mean like still this season or long term. But we'll tease that. You'll talk about that this week. So Mary Kay, I want you to finish us with this. You said earlier in this podcast, you think this team's going to make the playoffs. Yes. And then we just talked about how they almost blew the lead. They didn't score any points in the second half. Right. They still have issues. Where, where is your faith? faith? And I don't, I don't think it's misplaced in the context of how nuts the AFC is. Yeah. Where is your faith in the Browns making the playoffs coming from at this point? I think it's because of so much of what's going on around them. I think they can beat the Raiders, and I think they will beat the Raiders. I, I think they'll probably lose to Green Bay. I think they should beat the Steelers, but that's one now where in that Ben's last game, and if their defense is healthy and intact, that can be tough. So that's the one now that I almost think uh, is going to be the more difficult out. And then I think they match up well 
against the Bengals. I think their defense matches up well against the Bengals and will probably still be successful against the Bengals in, in that season finale. So I, I think, I think they can do it. I just, it just seems like things are falling into place for it to happen. And I, I could be wrong, but I think they have, I think they have a shot. All right. We'll be covering that for the next month. Make sure you guys are reading cleveland.com slash Browns. Be a Browns insider. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. You can sign up there. We appreciate you guys listening to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast for Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, and Dan Lobby. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast.